You're listening to Inside Public Procurement by Bonfire, a show celebrating the unique stories and heroic efforts of those on the front lines of public procurement. Each episode, we bring you the latest trends, tips, and real stories from procurement trailblazers like you, who work tirelessly to bring positive impact to the agencies and communities you serve. Together, let's elevate the field of public procurement to new heights. Now, pull up a chair and let's gather around the bonfire. Our show is about to begin. Hello and welcome to the Inside Public Procurement Podcast. My name is Tung La and I am a client support agent as well as a podcast producer at Bonfire, an e-procurement solution used by over 500 public agencies in North America. This week, we're bringing you a conversation between Bonfire CEO Omar and Boyd Donovan, assistant purchasing agent at the County of Ventura. Boyd shared his insights on getting procurement a seat at the table, how the County of Ventura uses e-procurement for more efficient and collaborative decision-making, and stewarding public trust through transparent procurement, which you'll hear all about in just a moment. We just want to say a big thank you to Boyd for taking the time to sit and chat with our team. We learned a lot from the conversation, and we're sure you will too. So sit back, get cozy, and gather around for our fireside chat. Enjoy the show. When we talk about procurement professionals, especially to people who've just joined, part of what we say is like working closely by your side. We got to learn how genuine and motivated to do the right thing that procurement professionals are in their day to day. And I think Boyd is a great example of that. I'm sure that will come through in our conversation today. And I am going to give you the chance, Boyd, to just tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience, what you do at the, at the county, and then we'll go through the questions. Well, I'm honored to be here. I do enjoy sessions like this, whether it's with my customers or my external customers, and certainly to be in this forum, as Omar has witnessed. I don't mind public speaking. I'm not sure how good I'm at it. You're great. I, I don't mind it. And certainly when I've been fed a few of the questions ahead of time so that I can be somewhat prepared and not stumble too much. This is my second stint at the County of Ventura. I started long before many of you were around in 1990. And then I went to the County of Orange for seven years where they're decentralized. So I worked for a healthcare agency and child support while I was there. And then as fortune would have it, I came back to the County of Ventura in 2006. And I've been here since. And I've witnessed, I won't say many, but a few great changes and steps toward progress, Bonfire being one of them. So while I'm not a salesman for Bonfire, I think it comes across whenever we talk to some of our peers that when we talk about electronic purchasing in general, that we really enjoy Bonfire. So for that, here I am. Thanks. Thanks, Boyd. And I want to just let you know, we have a, a selection from across the company here that we have developers are actually coding the app to product managers, to sales, marketing. And so this is a very casual chat. It is meant to kind of expose everyone to you know the world of procurement that maybe on the customer side, the sales side, we know very well. And so some of the questions will be you know, a little bit more to just shed some light on what it's like to work at procurement. And some of them will be a little bit more more detailed, but feel free to to answer based on your experience, and then we'll kind of take it from there. So we'll start with what does your typical day or one of your team members look like? What does it look like day to day? You know, what what are you focusing on? Is it different? Does it change from time to time? Is it seasonal? 
So it does change from time to time. It is seasonal because when we start to approach fiscal year end, then we're dealing with our renewable master agreements. And we have about 1,800 of those at various dollar levels. So some of them are pass-throughs, no problem. Some of them have to be competed. So at that time, starting pretty much about the end of March until pretty much August, our fiscal year ends June 30, we're getting through those those documents. But on a typical day-to-day, now, it was different for 459 workdays when we were working from home and everyone had to check in on Teams. Not had to, but we encouraged them to check in on Teams. So it was good morning every morning. And obviously, in, if you've worked in Teams at all, you know that gifts are available. And so you could gauge everyone's mood by the gift that they chose. Now that we're back in the office, we still use Teams. We still use gifts. But we just, Cliff and I check in by walking around quite a bit. That day-to-day operation, person comes in, obviously, after their coffee and good morning. We're a very social group, which I relish. And we've had to be quieted down a couple of times. But management sees the benefit of that, being social. But on that day-to-day, people come in, they check their cues. So we have VCFMS, which is our Ventura County Financial Management System. I'll probably use that term a few times. VCFMS, that's our online management of purchase documents, requisitions, and everybody has queues there. So supervisors go through to see what's in their queue for approval. Buyers go through to see what's in their queue that their technicians have worked up. They look through what documents they need to work on. Also checking emails. Some people have mastered how to make their email important and stand out. And so a lot of the times those go through. Voicemail has gone way down since email. So those are the typical ones. In interviews for any buyer, the question is, how do you deal with urgent matters? How do you prioritize your work, right? And the ideal is I'm very organized. I have my priorities over here. I try to get through those first and then go down the, the list. And how much of those days are, are you interacting like on a percent basis internally within the procurement team versus internal stakeholders, say like in a consensus meeting or suppliers? On average, is it like 50, 50? Is it 25, 25? We actually just talked about that recently in interviews for our supervising buyer. In my estimation, the ideal situation would be as a manager to be 70% staff development, 30% hands-on working on the system. Right now, at this very moment in time, it's more 50-50 as, as you pointed out, Omar. 60-40 is, is reality for the supervisors and managers, but in our office, the supervising buyers are hands-on, and so they are indeed 50-50, and which leaves staff development to me more, and I try to, to get to that point. So I should have prefaced this as well earlier. The questions have no theme, so that we're going to jump all over the place. Like I said, Richard, fed me the questions, <laughs> and if you're going to jump all over the place, then you're going to get what you get, because I've got a column of answers. Oh, okay. sorry. I'll I should remember have... what I said, but... Leave it to you, Omar, to uh, okay. give me the curveball. Uh, That's okay. That's okay. This is a situation I like to team where I'm in presentations with CEOs and the big names, and I'll treat Omar always with respect and Rachel even with more respect, but I know and acknowledge that I would never talk to you that way if I was one of your staff. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's try, to keep it, I'll try to keep it tame. Yeah. Boy, if you only knew how the staff talks to us. Well, I don't want to encourage that. <laughs> <laughs> They're on uh, their own. I don't, you don't need any uh, help from me. 
yeah, it's it's a millennial thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm one. Of, I'm one of them. It's all good. I'm just an elder. A geriatric so, millennial. I found out. Ger- geriatric. Yes. I unfortunately. Yeah. This is what we're called, and we're we're just curious about the process when it comes to drafting either a solicitation document or a contract document. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the process? Like, say somebody has a requisition. It's been approved. Budget is there, and you're going to kick that off. What does it look like? from the time the kickoff happens to the posting? So in County of Ventura procurement, we rely very heavily on our templates and we really like the copy from a previous project. Now, historically, I hate copying from somebody else's document because if it's a Word document, they use different formatting and different ways of formatting than I use. And their level of attention to detail is different than mine. And in the old days, you used to be able to see the coding in Word Perfect, for those of you that might even remember those days. In Word, you can't see the coding and how it's done. That said, we have worked very hard on our templates to make them as uniform as possible, as comprehensively correct as possible. We've recently taken over another department and their RFPs, so we've had to look at their templates. So the templates are very important to us. We use those a lot. And then we use copy from another project quite a bit. And I rely on that because, as I've told you before, my one of my favorite posters is, do you want to talk to the boss or do you want to talk to who knows what's going on? Well, the people that know what's going on have created these documents that I can just copy and then change things up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ask you every time if I answered your question. I'm going to rely oh, on I'll, I'll, I'll dig. I'll dig deeper. Uh, so, okay. so the template, is it like the boilerplate legal language standard we are the County of Ventura. We're looking for this. There's also the project template in Bonfire. Yeah, the project thinking, template. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So presumably you have a document, a Word document that then becomes the basis or the seed of the RFP itself that will be released. Right. Are, yeah. are you using, is it like email that you're throwing around and getting people to add into it? Are you sitting in a room on like multiple occasions and drafting those documents. How, how does that work? So it's interesting. Again, when we were at home, we could punch up three people on chat and hit video and we'd be on a video call like that. Mm. And we'd be sharing screen and we'd be talking about a, a document in bonfire and saying, okay, what about this? What about that? That was very efficient. And maybe we need to work on that even right here in the office, but often we'll just pull three people into the conference room and Mm -hmm. we'll look at a document or we'll talk about it in the staff meeting. Hey, how is everybody doing this? Because Mm -hmm. I've seen people doing it different ways and I can't name names because I'm in my cubicle, but person A, that looks great. Person B, you should do like person A does. And let's all get onto that same page, right? And often Mm -hmm. person B does it right way too. Yeah. So so you're collaborating. So I guess it's interesting, but like in during COVID, because you were having a screen share and people could see a document, you're actually having working sessions yes. to go through and okay. And and presumably correct me if I'm wrong, like the scope of work is really what's being edited here. It's not the other aspects of well the scope of so we call it bookends. We get the scope of work from the department. Mm. And we rarely look at the scope of work quite honestly because mm-hmm. To do that and to understand it and even to possibly realize it mm-hmm. would require expertise. Got it. Not, so mm-hmm. human services agency, pathways to employment, to find a vendor to run their pathways to employment, Boyd is not going to know the ins right. and outs or the budget. And so we take that scope of work from the department 
and then we put the bookends on it. We put the front end of Bonfire on it. We put the questionnaires and all the other things behind it. So if you're using scope of work differently than I'm describing, please let me know. But basically, we take that scope of work from the department and we work around it. Yeah, it's interesting because you're kind of getting that delivered and then you're putting, like they said, the bookends, basically all of the dates and maybe, and how are the criteria developed? So presumably that's, there's some input from procurement on that too, in terms of advising them. Criteria is, that is an area where we get our fingers deep into it. We might check with the department, what's more important to you, cost versus this or that. But Mm -hmm. we have a pretty standard criteria split. Financials, for example, are pass-fail, but there are other areas that where criteria might get jockeyed around a little bit, and right. we do indeed interact with the stakeholder to, to look at that. Yeah, and the last question on that, how often do you find yourself recycling clauses from a previous opportunity where you ran maybe a certain process, like say a BAFO, mm-hmm. into a current one? So are you then looking for that last project where you ran a BAFO taking that legalese and inserting it into this project? Often. Okay. So there is sometimes like the hunt for that clause. Like that's something that you find yourself doing here and there. So I'm going to put a disclaimer in going back to that. You want to talk to the boss or do you want to talk to who knows what's going on? If there's a feature that I say, wow, that'd be great. One of you, and I'm, I'm going to pick on Anthony Berry because he's in the middle of the top of my screen so if he goes, oh, my gosh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm going to take it. <laughs> Rachel is just going to smile and go along because she's tolerated me for all these years, so I can't go by her. That said, if I say something and you say, well, that's been there, then please point it out. So to answer your question, standard clauses, we have a standard clause repository in BCFMS that we use all the time. They're numbered. We know a lot of the numbers by, by rope. <laughs> in Bonfire, I don't know that we have standard clauses. What we do is we have, I think, a Word document with a library of standard clauses, and we cut and paste those into Bonfire. But I think in the early development days, we talked about a bank of standard clauses in Bonfire that we could customize. Yeah. Well, I'm asking the question because we're actually working on something like that. I was just kind of curious to hear about the process and how you recall those in, and if there is actually like a pressing need for it, and it seems like there is so in our master major template, and I don't know if we've actually used that in Bonfire, we have everything. Mm-hmm. And we have the clauses that may or may not apply to this particular project are in blue. So for example, bid bonds and performance bonds for construction right. are not going to apply to that pathways to employment uh, mm-hmm. proposal that I'm working on. So I delete mm-hmm. those clauses. Got so it. it's really more a list and we cut out the ones that we don't want. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going with the full and trimming as opposed to building. Exactly. Um, and so Anthony asked the question, that was just relay. So for something like a questionnaire, is the customer, or the internal client sending you an Excel sheet Word document or are they putting that the information into the question? They're sending it in as part of their scope of work. It's a separate section mm-hmm. and they're putting, so we call that section three requirements. I get it in Word. Right. And it's attached to the scope of work. Mm-hmm. And what do they want to know? And we call that our Section 3 requirements. And mm-hmm. So they're numbered, Section 3.1, 2.3, so on. Some of mm-hmm. them have 50 requirements. Some of them have a dozen. Right. It just depends on the complexity of the project and the desire of the department. But we ask for those from them. Okay, you've given us your scope. 
What do you want the requirements to do? What do you want to know? What is going to differentiate one response from another? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we get those in word format. So moving, moving to a different question here, in a world where you've digitized a lot of your process, we're talking submission, contract management, where do you see the next step is when it comes to improving your, your day-to-day? Or is there something at the organization level that you're talking about now in terms of modernizing? We still need to get to electronic payment. Mm-hmm. We can do electronic payment by exception through our auditor's office. When it's a rush and we get the wiring numbers and all of that stuff, we can do it by exception. Would really like to see that come about. That's on our part. We also need to get to electronic transmission of a purchase document. We still print hard copies. They come over from business support every day in a batch wrapped in plastic. And our student worker has to unwrap them. And then they have to look at each one and decide which attachment goes with which one. And that's another system where we, and that's probably going to be VCFMS, I'm not sure, where electronic submission of a purchase document would be terrific. Because one, you know where it went. And two, ideally, you get confirmation that it was received. Mm-hmm. Because when it gets mailed, it could go off to the remit to address and not mm-hmm. to the project manager that needs to get their hands on. Yeah. Would you consider that exchange of POs as part of the contract lifecycle management? Is that, in your mind, attached to that? Or is this more of like a finance? No, it is part of the contracting. Okay. Yes, finance is tied into it because it is the purchase order or the purchase document with often the con well, the contract has already been done. By that point, we've done the contract online. So we have that process digitized for the most part. But mm-hmm. that purchase document, that final, here's your way to charge us, here's what we want, and here's mm-hmm. the way to charge us, that is definitely to me, yes, it's finance because it's accounts payable and receivable. Mm-hmm. But it's also the contract. Yeah, because it goes, it's pegged against that particular contract. And it's part of the overall documentation that you have when it comes to uh, to managing a contract. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so staying on this this digitization, you know, journey, what, what do you feel the biggest blocker was for organizations or is to get off paper? So you have a colleague in a, in a neighboring county, and I'm, I'm sure you probably had many of these conversations on our behalf already. Yep. And they're still, you know, using paper, online submissions and evaluations. What would you say to them to to get them to kind of see the light and and become a convert? So what I have said in the past is once you found an environment in the cloud or shared drive or whatever, once you found that environment that you feel safe in for, for storing your documents, then let go. Just trust it. Because you've done the research to find that safe space. Now just trust it and let it go. And it wasn't that big a jump for us to digitize our contracts. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that some more because everybody wanted it to be electronic. It was just fortunate, again, that we did that process, which took us about six months. We did that all in 2019, obviously with no knowledge of what was going to happen in 2020. And we had everything digitized in 2019 and it was a beautiful thing. And I, I got to say, the, the organizations who had the propensity to think ahead and want to digitize are the ones who had business continuity that we witnessed during the pandemic that was completely unaffected. And we had people scrambling, uh, basically calling us saying, I'm working from home. How do I receive submissions? We need sanitizer. We need PPE. Right. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And if we had to do a quick quote, we could throw it in the bonfire and get it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll remind you and I'll tell your team that one of the biggest reasons electronic 
solicitation came about in the first place. It started under my old boss, who was not into electronic submission at all, but her boss saw these RFP boxes outside of my cubicle because they wouldn't sit fit inside my cubicle. There were a dozen boxes full of binders, three-inch binders, six-inch, all this paper. And he says, what are you doing? I said, that's an RFP. That, those are the submissions. What are you going to do with those? I'm going to buy carts for all of the evaluation committee members, and I'm going to have them come pick them up. He says, we got to get better than that. I said, I'm in. He says, make it happen. The rest is history. We did the research. We did the comparison. And we'll talk more about that maybe. But mm. that's where we are today with Bonfire. And wow. So I talked with my peers about, you're still buried in paper. Yeah. Let me tell you how this works for us. It's interesting to me, like we've been, we've been around for over 10 years now at the company level and the paper still seems to be like the resounding message and like the visceral image of this is the work that I have to do. And we see it on the evaluation side where when you give people the means to electronically evaluate, they're more likely to come in in half hour increments and chip away at their evaluation as opposed to, I have to carry this binder home because I know after dinner, I'm going to open it up and do my evaluation because it's usually outside of the scope of what they normally do. Right. And so because of the ease of access, you get accelerated timelines. And it's kind of like a side effect of not having the paper too. Exactly. We have a case right now. I'm working on a project right now that pathways to employment thing and human resources mm-hmm. outreach, yada, yada. We have three people on the evaluation committee we're trying to figure out, okay, when can we get back together? Well, I'm on vacation next week, but I'll do it while I'm on vacation. I said, no, 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 you're on vacation. But the point is that she could right. sit on the beach with her iPad, and if she wanted to, I don't encourage it, and finish her evaluation. But being able to access it on any web-enabled device, I mm-hmm. don't recommend using their phone. I don't even know if it would work on the phone. I haven't tried it. No, I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. We had to fly to Tampa to do a uh, see vendor presentations, right? Mm. One of the guys brought their binder. I said, how much do you think we're paying for that, for your lo- to be that in your luggage? Because he's yeah. just old school and wanted to bring the binder. The portability. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of questions. One is, what do you think finance or central admin or, you know, like you mentioned, Cliff's, is Cliff's boss or boss's boss, what do they care most about how procurement operates? You know, what outcomes do they care about the most? One of them is our main one, and that is to maintain the public trust. That is tantamount to everything that we do because we are a public agency. We're using taxpayer funds. And many times during Bonfire's development with us, and even now, is there an audit trail? Right. I can't change one thing in an RFP without it popping up and saying, Hey, so why did you do this? Yeah. Right. If I change a date, if I change wording, and do you want to submit this to the public? Right. So public trust is everything. Mm-hmm. What else do they want to see? Well, so one of the questions in the question list is insights. People want to see who's doing the work. Is someone overloaded? No, someone is skating. Who, who's doing the work? We want to see the count. We want to see the projects. We want to see the complexity. We're going to talk about that too later. It'll come up, I'm sure, is how we split up workload. So we look into insights and we look at the different types of projects. Let's face it, a request for quote is different than a request for proposal. The complexity of projects is important. Somebody doing just RFQs versus RFPs 
Yeah, that's no, that, those are really good comments because ultimately you're the guardians of the procurement process. And one of the things that we talk about here quite a bit is fair and transparent is our guideline from when we build products, because we know, you know, this is what you are eventually accountable for and making sure we're setting up guardrails in the process whether through audit trails or a quick pop-up that says, are you sure you want to do this? This is going to go public. It's all part of this. So it's refreshing to just solidify that too. Sure. And, and then just to finish the answer to your question, savings. Savings is obviously a big deal for any procurement department. People want to see that. We are not using that enough because we don't always get an estimate from the department as to what they think they're going to spend versus what we've saved. Sometimes we have that comparison about what they've spent what they're spending now or what they're projected to spend because we've done, we've competed it. So again, that, that depends on the user to get the information in there so that we can see an accurate dashboard. Mm -hmm. Do you, on the savings part, so that's always a tough part, right? Because if you don't have a budget or you don't know what the market's going to price a certain solution, you don't know how much you're going to actually get it for. However, there are procurement processes and negotiation that we know very well procurement teams are really good at that produce savings. And do you think that is something that should be captured? Is this something that, again, the boss's boss would care about? Would you present a better image of procurement if you say through our sheer negotiation effort, we shaved X percent off of the price? Yes. Asterisk. Yes, absolutely. The asterisk is now, I've said that about savings. It's not always about savings. It's about best value. Quality, yeah. Right. Yeah. And overall, what are you getting for your dollar? So you're touching on something that I feel pretty strongly about because to me, this is one of those things that are, I feel like unrecognized in terms of the benefits of the procurement team handling the procurement process because you're following best practice because you mentioned earlier, the whole idea is spending taxpayers' money in as prudent of a way as possible to get maximum bang for buck. And you know, we're a small company, but I know when we go buy things, we don't follow that process because you don't have to, right? But it produces actually better results. And I think that's where the strategic nature of procurement starts to come in because you just know how to buy and it's not buying widgets. It's this very complex seven-year contracts that are meant to keep the community humming, which brings me to the question of how do you ensure that procurement gets a seat at the table? And some organizations feel like they definitely have a seat at the table. Others don't. If procurement doesn't have a seat at the table, what are the consequences that you could foresee happening? So procurement doesn't always get a seat at the table. And it's unfortunate. And that's frustrating. But the other part of that question is, if you don't have a seat, what are the consequences? Job satisfaction, ability to retain and recruit, they're somewhat reduced. And that's a major consequence in our ability to maintain staffing levels mm -hmm. and efficiencies and ability to serve our customers, internal and external. Do you, do you feel like procurement had a bit of a spotlight, a very positive spotlight on them when it came to the pandemic and all of a sudden supply chain shortages and desperation for securing goods? Well, I was going to show you my challenge coin, but I, I can just talk about it. We received a few commendations from departments, especially from our Office of Emergency Services under the Sheriff's Department for our ability to respond and react. Our director is still using the fact that we were able to find hotels and motels mm -hmm. so fast because we put together an RFP and got it out to all the hotels. I just recently did a bid for hotel rooms. 
same thing. We were able to get that out there fast. Mm-hmm. So we were one of the first counties in the state of California to have hotel rooms available for at-risk patients. And that was in part due and thanks to Bonfire. This is never a sentence that has maybe never been said. I got goosebumps hearing that procurement story. This is so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, but but go ahead. Keep going. But it's true. And so, of course, PPE and testing kits. And you guys all know the things that go along with the pandemic, right? Yeah. Hospital equipment, temperature reading equipment, all of those things we put through a process. Some of them were emergency purchases, but then later we we competed. Yeah. All of those things made us more nimble. I don't know if that's a a Canadian term, but made us more nimble and and able. We we use nimble all the time. We like to think of ourselves as nimble (laughs) as a company. Okay. So this is really important though. And I keep saying like if this person's on the team, but like if marketing is on, on the call, just to kind of consider this because... You're combining this message earlier of we're not always getting a seat at the table, and that could cause even lack of appreciation and talent bleed and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And we just emerged from one of the biggest emergencies we've, we've ever had where counties were desperate, and you're being commended for the creativity and making sure people had the place to stay and the sanitizer that they need. Do you think there's an opportunity now to just bring those stories back up and project it. And so use that to basically raise where procurement is perceived within the organization. So I have to say, even though we might not always have a seat at the decision table and BCFMS is one of those places, it's an auditor system, it's the financial system. Procurement is just a module in there and we can't use it the way that we would want to use it. Which again, benefits Bonfire because there is an electronic solicitation system within that BCFMS. Use your derogatory term around sucks. And that's what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that gave us the ability to go and find our own system. Yeah. That said, I'm very proud to be able to say that not only within our own agency, 250 people, we have an all-hands meeting, we have a newsletter, and the last all-hands meeting the first five minutes was procurement did this, procurement did that, procurement mm. did that, and was able to make all of this happen again with Bonfire as a, as a partner. Mm. And then recently, as our budget, we have to present our budget to the board. We're an internal service fund, so we charge for our services. Mm-hmm. We were able to hold our costs and say, we've done this and this and this. Nice. And yeah. so we were recognized at the board. So while we don't have a seat at the table, we're being recognized. And we're still able to do our job. We're still That's doing good. our job. The one kind of joke that I say is, for the only time ever, half of us in Canada knew our procurement minister's name when we were talking about vaccine, <laughs> you know, buying and all this kind of stuff. I didn't know the ministry even existed, to be honest. I thought there was just folded under some like government services, but no, we have a procurement minister and I knew her name and I watched all her updates. And I think there was a bit of a limelight moment there for procurement during the time. So, yeah. And I hope that observation for you and watching gave you a leg up in other forms. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I mean, that's kind of part of it. And I think Anthony also asked another question earlier. It seemed the, you know, when we're talking about paper and convincing people to come off paper that you've been having these conversations quite a bit lately. Is that true? Are you getting that sentiment from, from colleagues and other organizations that there's a sense of like, we can't operate the old way. Look what just happened a few months or a couple, couple of years ago. And I think we need to modernize. And then there's this 
maybe there's like a belief within finance now that we need to modernize procurement. Again, when we go to these the CAFO conferences, we feel like we're on the front of the wave often, especially with digitizing everything. And as you know, from CAFO and NIGP, we're, we're asked all the time, what are you doing? And electronic procurement, uh, electronic solicitation, contracts are digitized, all of those things. So a few of the questions was, so what do you, where do you see the industry going? This is where it's going. I'm proud to say we're there, mm-hmm. but it can always improve. So I, yeah. I'm hoping that answers your question. This is, this is where it is. Yeah. Electronic, yeah. electronic cloud. One of the questions was, where do you store your documents? Well, yeah. I love OneDrive, but mm-hmm. we were just given the edict that get everything off of OneDrive. I want it on the shared drive because <laughs> in that instance where, okay, buyer A retires or goes away and all of their documents are on OneDrive, well, we can't access it. Right. So they want it all on the shared drive, which is to me a step backwards. Yeah. So one of the things that we also take a lot of pride through the procurement functions that we help is the focus on, you know, diversity when it comes to suppliers, opening up doors for businesses, disadvantaged business enterprise. The question is, do you do you feel like this is something that is, is the county focusing on it? Is there a project in place? Can you tell us more about that internal push? So we call it DEI. And yep. diversity, equity, inclusion, and it is becoming more and more of a conversation with the county. There hasn't been, we're, we're still not measuring, I don't know if you call it maybe Wibby in, in Canada, but minority and women-owned business and disadvantaged businesses like that. We're not measuring those as much, but it sounds and feels like we're moving more toward that. We have a couple of departments that want to know that, so we're able to search a few things out in Bonfire to find that information. And we're also able to search our documents and, and find where we've included that in the in the scope of work. So yeah. we're moving toward that more and more. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not a prevalent conversation right now. And and who's pushing that initiative? Is it coming from finance or is it the highest levels from the county? Like at which point does that get introduced into the process and, and a it's, goal? It started with those two agencies that are asking for that information. But now we have a officer. I don't know if she's a director, but we have an officer up in the in the chief executive office, county executive office is what we call it here. And they hired her for no other purpose than DEI. Okay. That's good. And okay. Mm-hmm. So we're getting some interface with her now. Thanks for answering that. And we, we feel we've been hearing different things from different states, Boyd. It, it depends. Uh, the other thing I've heard is how the grant money flows. And if it's federal grant money, sometimes you have to kind of allocate some and track it. Yeah. I'm remiss in not having included that, but we are getting more and more federal grants, which make things good for the mm-hmm. department, complicated for procurement, because we're having to learn more and more. I haven't heard too much about DEI in those grants, but I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a, a factor there. And it's not steering our procurement, but they want to get the metrics. And just quickly, Boyd, on this, the grants, are you starting to see the flow from the Infrastructure Act dollars come through? And because we were reading a lot about, you know, there's bridges and road work and broadband. Is this still trickling through to Ventura or is it? Yeah, it's still trickling through. We have ARPA funds, which ARPA. is a federal money. And the county has been allotted $164 million mm-hmm. for that. And mm-hmm. so Cliff and I have been in conversations with the team from mm-hmm. CEO and so on and the other departments 
as to how that money is going to get administered. Okay, so there's still okay. So the money has been allocated. It's been now. It's more of like which projects are we going to allocate it to, and right. and so is it fair to say that you're going to see an influx of RFPs and RFQs and coming because you're going to have to put that money into use? So our initial stance was if we're going to handle this in procurement, we're going to need a body. We're going to need a position. NARPA will pay for that. So far, we've only gotten one RFP. Okay. Because the projects haven't been developed yet. It just got presented to the board yesterday as to Uh, what the projects will be. And I haven't seen that list yet. So the projected projects are on that list. And I need to go in there and look to see so that we can anticipate if it is going to be an influx or just one or two. Okay. That's, we're, we're curious about that too. And yeah, this is something we actually covered in the NIGP webinar we did about a month ago now. There's one, one more question, and this is more of like, based on your feel, how many procurement teams, like say on a scale of zero to 10 or on a percentage basis, do you think they're still using paper and spreadsheets to manage their sourcing process? In my office? In, uh, in say, or in colleagues, general. California, either way, yeah, basically based on your exposure to the industry, how many organizations are still using paper and uh, spreadsheets? I'm not sure what quantification might be meaningful, but we have 58 counties in the state of California. Yeah. And I would venture to guess that 60% of them are still using paper. Okay. In yeah. part because a lot of those are such small agencies that mm-hmm. they don't, they're not nimble enough to be able to go out and find a system that will work for them, which Again, don't go by, don't put that number in, in stone because I'm not, I don't yeah. have any background, but that's my guess from when we were talking to Capo, when we we're online with other, when I'm seeing the, the posting on, on Capo, mm-hmm. California Association of Public Procurement Officials for those mm-hmm. who are familiar with Capo. But that's what I'm seeing is these small agencies that just don't mm-hmm. have the ability to go out and find. So they're still doing paper RFPs, paper contracts, paper purchase orders. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, and I, I probably think it's the same. And I know we're at time, but that brought one more question to mind. So you mentioned like your communication with people at Capo or maybe what are the, the ways that you keep in touch with other procurement professionals, whether in California, is there, are there forums? How do you kind of get, you know, other platforms that you're using? Is it LinkedIn, calls? I'm just, we're just curious. Well, there you go. You named them. <laughs> <laughs> Capo. NIGP, we have the forums online. Some people are posing questions there, like LinkedIn for some of the posts, mostly for accomplishments in LinkedIn is what we're seeing, but attending conferences. Okay. Procurement IQ. I don't know if you've heard of Procurement IQ. Used to be Ibis World. Mm -hmm. Two weird names. But Procurement IQ is, is big for us. It does a lot of research. What's going on in the industry? Where are the sweet points? What's the projected cost? How is, is this trending upward or downward in, in cost? But peers, and we have a chapter of Capo that we're trying to get up and running. Mm-hmm. So those are the locals from mm-hmm. our region. Mm-hmm. And again, as county, we're able to help them, but we still hear things from the smaller agencies that are great tips. Yeah. This is how we do it. So there are these forums, like digital forums that you're you're checking in on and would you say you're checking those like weekly is it every month you're logging in or is it email like listservs quite frankly i had a rule set up in my outlook that put these all into a a separate folder so i could go and look at it and then somehow something changed and the rule put it into my inbox every day so i'm getting them all the time i'm trying to make it every other day okay i don't know what other people are doing but they come in and capo is set up where it used to be able to 
you could get a weekly digest and Got do it. it there, but that's not as responsive, right? Because right. people aren't responding as much. No, this is this is really good. Just for us to know where the conversations are happening, and and if there's anything we can do, like uh, one of the things that we want to do at Bonfire is connect people together, different agencies, and this is kind of part of why we're asking this question to see is there something that we can do as well beyond the existing places that you're communicating with. But yeah. we're four minutes over time, Boyd. This was really great. enjoyable for me, and I really hope we get to meet in person soon. Selfishly, I am kind of probably arranged for some sort of trip to California in the wintertime to escape. Right. Well, bring some of your closest friends. You know, we've got the surf, we've got the beach. I'm so jealous. (laughs) This is, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Brandon, Rachel, and everybody is basically ready to come. But no, really, it's always been a pleasure to talk to you, Boyd. And thanks for the help and the time and just contributing your knowledge and sharing it with everyone here. And that wraps up our fireside chat with Boyd from the County of Ventura. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Procurement professionals like you are the lifeblood of public sector organizations dedicated not only to supporting your agency, but the constituents you serve. That's why we've created the Inside Public Procurement Podcast here at Bonfire, a unique place where you can share stories and discuss the topics that matter to public procurement pros. From digitization and the future of public procurement to ensuring a fair and transparent process, we're all about finding new strategies to help your agency succeed. Join us at GoBonfire.com to learn more. You've been listening to Inside Public Procurement by Bonfire. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you have an idea for an episode or want to come on as a guest, email us at hello at GoBonfire.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.